Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Hey, I'm going to take a few moments today. I'm going to, I, I won't, I really won't be, a, well, I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to say that. I don't want to lie on Father's Day. All right. But I do have a few things I want to say. Out of the book of James, I, I kind of got a little theme in my heart I wanted to, to share with you this morning. And so let me take you to the book of James. All right. And um, we're going to go to chapter one. All right. And we're going to start with verse 2. I mean, I love this verse. Count it, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Anybody in here ever faced a trial? Okay, the rest of you can go home. This just doesn't apply to you at all. Right? I mean, how many have faced some sort of trial on this life? All right? And then the Bible says, consider it pure joy. Consider it joy. I got to tell you, there's a lot of trials I've gone through that I didn't count it joy as I was going through it. I, I got to tell you, I wasn't really like, oh, man, this is so awesome. I am so glad that I could go through this, God, right? No, I pretty much can tell you that I have not had that thought. But James says this. Now watch, he goes on. He said, consider pure joy when you face trials of many kind, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, let me stop there for a moment. Let me just kind of, I'm, I'm, this is not even the context of what I'm going to preach, but I'm going to lead up to what I want to speak about. Here's the deal. In life, you're going to face trials. All right? The Bible says that those trials are the testing of your faith. Let me remind you of something. Trials do not produce faith. They test your faith. Well, what produces faith? The Bible tells me that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Faith is stirred up in my heart. Faith is produced in me when I hear the word of God, when I read the word of God. When the spirit of God speaks to me, faith is raised up inside of me. It is a trial that is testing my faith. All right, so I hit a trial. That trial is testing my faith. I go to the word of God. The word of God produces faith in order to get me through that. I'll come back to that in a moment. These trials taste your faith to the point of producing something that you didn't have. How many would say that you have had per more perseverance after facing a trial than before? All right. Anybody who participates in that sick, twisted art of running knows what I'm talking about. When you first start running, you can't. I started November 25th. I don't know if I made a lap around the track. Maybe, maybe one, but I certainly didn't do two. Okay? It's like, <laughs> I'm going to die here. Somebody call Ahmed. Either that or call Mocking Yates, one or the other. <laughs> Somebody's got to cart me out of here. I ran six miles yesterday. Okay, now, no, no, no. no. Uh, that, the, the thing is, it, it only because of enduring, enduring, enduring that I was able to create more perseverance inside of me by doing it over and over. And when you face a trial and you go through the trial, you have more perseverance at the end of that trial than you had at the beginning of it. Now, quite frankly, I would just as soon not go through the trial. Just as much as I'd rather sit on the couch and eat pizza and wings. Which I'm going to do today. It's Father's Day. I mean, come on, who does it? I mean, come on, pizza and wings on the couch watching a sporting event is far better than running a, 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 a just is. 
Unless you're a sick, twisted person like some people I know. All right. All right. These trials test your faith to the point of producing something and you didn't have, perseverance. Perseverance then causes you to become what the Bible says mature and complete. Now, how many of you in the midst of a trial ever became bewildered or perplexed? Like, man, God, what's going on? I don't understand this. Why is this happening? How do I get out of it? What do I do? Has anybody ever been questioning, having questions in the midst of a trial? If you haven't, you need a better trial. Because, <laughs> man, when you're going through it and you have all the answers, it's not much of a trial. But what do you do? Well, watch what James says. And then James says, and if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You, you see, in the midst of your trial, it produces questioning and uncertainty and bewilderment. And James says, but let me tell you what to do. Ask God for wisdom. I can tell you, I've gone through certain trials where I've had to say, God, I don't understand. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know how to get through this. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. Because how many know that when you go through a trial, you're always tempted to trust in your own understanding? You're always tested to trust in your own strength. You're always tested. I just stand my own stuff. By the way, that... For something I forgot to mention, now now I remembered. I'm going to ask you to do something. I will not tell you what it is. But I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Tomorrow through Tuesday, I just want you to pray about something that's huge. Okay? I'll let you know next week. But I want you to pray about something that's huge. All right? We want God's favor. We want God's will. And I want you to pray about it. And I'll tell you what it is next week. But I won't tell you today. Don't you just hate that? (laughs) All right. Now, back to the message. Many times, these trying situations then cause, how many of you have gone through a trial? Like, how many of you ever thought you had all the answers and then you went through the trial to realize maybe you didn't have all the answers? It's kind of like, how many of you knew how to parent before you had kids? I mean, like, you were good. You knew how to tell everybody else how to raise that kid. You know, those parents were just this, and those parents were just that, and you were this, and they were that, and all of a sudden, you had one. It's like, man, I didn't know what I was talking about, right? Here's what James says this. If any of them lack wisdom, ask God, who will give generously, but let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts like the serpent of the sea and driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect to receive nothing from the Lord. Watch this. But let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position and let the rich glory in his humiliation because of flowering grass. You, you see, how many know that trial has a way sometimes of humbling us? That trial sometimes has a way of causing us to become low only to be raised up to become great. All right? The fact of the matter is there are times in my life, and I'm sure there's times in your life, where a trial in your life has had a way of making you go, I feel a lot more humble than I once was. How many know that happened to Job? It happened to Job. Job said, man, my eyes, my ears had heard of him. I thought I knew about God. I thought I knew everything. Then I went through this trial, and now my eyes have seen him. Now I see him for who he is. This thing has humbled me. This thing has brought me to a place of humility. Watch what it goes on to say. For the sun rises with a scorching wind. Now, verse 12, let's go to verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. All right, now let me, this has still nothing about the central theme of what I'm going to preach on. I'm just leading up to it. So here comes James. James is writing, says, listen, brothers, when you're facing a trial, consider it joy. 
Because this trial is testing your faith. It's testing your faith, and, 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 and out of it, you're gonna, your endurance is going to create perseverance, and you're going to persevere, and you're going to be more mature. And if you're going through it, and you don't have the answers, and you're bewildered, ask God, and he'll give you wisdom, okay? And then he says this. He says, oh, by the way, bless the man who perseveres under trial. Blessed, because, because when you have been approved, and when you've endured, and when you've gotten through this, you see, you're going to receive the crown of life, which he's promised. Watch what he says. Promise to those who love him. The ability to endure hardship, I believe, is rooted in your love for him. Listen to me. You can endure many things. How many, how many of you know that you can go through marriage and you can endure many things because of your love for your spouse? Because I love her and because I love him, I will put up with a 12-year-old in an adult body. Okay, okay, you endure many things for the love of your children because you passionately, unselfishly love your children. You will endure a lot of things. How many have ever endured sleepless nights? How many have ever endured the unending stream of spending money on teenagers? (laughs) Right? (laughs) How many have ever endured the drama that they can bring to the house? That you endure a lot of things because of your love for them. You will endure many things for your love of your grandchildren. Right? You see, I believe this. He says, blessed a man who perseveres. But once you've been approved, he'll receive the crown of life for that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Listen to me. The more you fall in love with him, the more your ability to endure all trials. Because you're enduring them because of your love for him. Still not what I'm preaching about. Now watch this. So James is talking about trial, temptation, hardship, and things that enter into our life. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Father of the day, you're the Father of lights. Let us see you for who you are and understand you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, James is setting it up saying, listen, you've gone trials, you've gone temptations, and when you're tempted, don't you say it's God tempting you. Because God cannot be tempted by evil, right? Nor does he tempt. How many times have you heard God getting the blame for the evil things that happen in this world? Come on, evil things happen and God gets the blame. Well, God must have did this, and God must have done that, and God this, and God that. This is crazy. All right? Listen to me this morning. I'm going to talk to you for a moment. Your temptation that you've experienced in your life did not come from God. All right? Your trial produced by somebody else's sin did not come from God. God did not tempt them to sin for you to go through a trial. 
Oh, God just took me through that. No, somebody sinned against God. They sinned against you. It wasn't God's idea. All right? I, I, God did not lead someone into evil so you could learn a lesson. God did not tempt someone to do an evil, sinful act to produce something positive in you. My God does not need to use sin to produce something positive in you. I mean, come on. We, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with some of our few of our Christian theologies for a moment. Each one is tempted. That's what he says. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire. Everybody say own. Let's put it this way. Mine. Oh. I'm tempted when my evil desire. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Isn't it better to blame it on somebody else? Come on. Come on. Isn't it better to say my wife made me do it? My husband made me do it. My kids made me do it. My spouse made me do it. My pastor made me do it. The boss made me do it. Hmm? Adam said the woman made me do it. Eve said the serpent made me do it. And then ultimately we blame God. Many, many years ago when we had the Nehemiah Project, which was a drug rehab back in the early 90s, when we did that, we, we had a work day with the guys, and they worked so hard. They were such good workers that day. And so I thought, man, we need to take them to Jethro's. We went to Jethro's, and we got steaks that night. Man, we got them steaks. We got them appetizers. Man, we just fed them. It was awesome. We had a great night. That week, one of the guys got caught in the house smoking. Smoking wasn't allowed in the house. He wasn't allowed to smoke. He got caught smoking. We busted him on it. And he said, it's your fault. I said, excuse me? Well, it's your fault. I said, why is it my fault? He said, you took it to Jethro's. People were smoking there. I got the bug. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Fine. Next time you're getting a Happy Meal at McDonald's. All right? <laughs> In the drive-thru. Okay? <laughs> I mean, come on. I, blame me for your sin that you're doing, breaking the rules in the house, because I did something good for you. Right? You see, the process of sin, James says, is this. Desire. It can be a desire for anything. Desire for money. I mean, no, the Bible says that the, root, the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Track down all the evil in the world. Run, follow the money. Follow the money. Somebody's getting money rich off it. Greed. It can be a desire for sex. It can be a desire for power. It can be a desire for love. It can be a desire for something good that produces a sinful action. Fill in the blank this morning. My desire for blank drug me away. You fill in the blank. My desire for what? Somebody, you guys can fill it in. Desire is the seed of sin. When it's conceived in, how many know what is conceived in the womb will ultimately be born? Hmm? What is conceived in the heart will ultimately come forth. What is conceived in the mind will ultimately come out. What is conceived in the spirit will ultimately be born. What is born is the fruit of what was sown. I cannot plant an apple seed and get a pear tree. If I can, I'm going, to market, I'm going to market that sucker. Okay? I just can't. The seed that I sow is the fruit that is born. You sow the seed of a sinful desire, and then the fruit of that sin is birthed into existence. And I may, we're praying then, God, would you kill the rest of it? We sow seeds of sin, praying for God to kill the harvest. We, we like the sowing. Come on, how many know you like the sowing? The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. How many know you like the sowing time? When you're, okay. <laughs> I love looking left at my wife's other one. <laughs> I think she knows what I was going to say. The planting sowing time is much more pleasurable than the harvest time. I don't know about you, but, but making the baby is more fun than having the baby. I'm just telling you. Come on, can I get an amen? 
right? And I don't know anything about it because you women got the raw end of that thing. I'm just telling you, you got the raw end of it, right? But the fact of the matter is, when you're in sin, you're sowing seeds. And at that moment, it's pleasurable. But you don't want that thing to give birth, right? You don't want it to come about. You don't want it to come. But there's something pleasurable when you're sowing it. Then that thing grows, and the Bible says it produces death. A man is dragged away by his evil desire, and he molests a child. And when that desire has drugged him away, and it sows sin, it's birth, and death is the equation. There's death to that girl. There's death in her mind. There's death in her body. There's death in her emotions. There's death associated with sin. It just is. But who's behind all of this? God? No. You see... Then he says this, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect thing, gift, is given from, from above, coming down from the Father life. You see, we're living in an age of deception where everything happens wrong and wicked and evil and, and a trial and temptation is getting blamed on God. Deception that he's talking about is don't you be deceived. These things that are happening that are wicked and wrong and evil, they're not from God. God had nothing to do with them. God is good, and his gifts are good. God is good, and his gifts are perfect. God is good, and his gifts are meant to bring good into your life. You see, the things that happen in your life from sinful actions and evil origins are not from God. And he's not liable. We're talking about trials and temptations. We're talking about temptations. God is never the source of your temptation. He's never the source of the trial in your life that was caused by somebody else's sin. God is never the source of the trial in your life that is caused by another person's evil. You have a son or a daughter stuck in addiction. It's not God's fault. It's created a trial and a temptation in your life, but it's not God's fault. God's not behind that temptation. God's not behind that addiction. Somebody told me one time when Nick was going through the years of his addiction that God, God let him go through those addiction years so I would have a heart for people with a family stuck in addiction. I said, that's just, that's just stupid. That's just stupid. That's the God I serve? Forget that, I'm out of here. That's not who God is. That's craziness. Maybe you've been in that life. That's not God. Someone broke into your house and stole your stuff. Not God. It's not God. Someone beat you when you were a kid. Not God. Someone molested you when you were a kid. Not God. It wasn't his idea. It wasn't his origin. All right? It just wasn't. You see, I wanna, I'm going to give you a few points and I'm going to be done today few more points I'll be done today. All right, and I'm, I'm trying to make it simple this morning. And it's never a simple thing to try to unravel some of this. But I got to let you know that God, you see what's happening in our society is God is getting the blame for everything that happens and it's just not true. We're trying to send people to a God to get healing when they're getting, going to a God that we're blaming for it. Okay, let me get with this point. First of all, I want to reiterate, God is not the author or the source of the sinful, evil things in your life. All right? He didn't make you sin. He doesn't want you to sin. He never planned for you to sin. He never planned for humanity to sin. He never planned for Adam and Eve to sin in the garden. Everything was good around them. Everything. He gave them everything that was good. Here it is. It's yours. Live. Enjoy life. 
Enjoy the garden. Enjoy the work of your hands. Enjoy being my creation. Enjoy this. It's good. Just don't do this. And the moment you tell them not to do it, how many know that's what you want to do? Right? Because I look over and Penny goes, instantly, I want to do that. Liam, Liam's in our, 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 our place the other night, the little guy, and he's just touching everything. I mean, he's just like, ha, 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 right? And, and, and Penny's growling him. And he goes like this. After about the third time, she goes, Liam! And he goes. <laughs> I have no idea where he gets that tormenting spirit from. All right? <laughs> and you can just see the joy in his heart. <laughs> right? There's something innate about us. I mean, sometimes don't do it. We want to do. God didn't lead you into sin. God didn't lead you into addiction. God didn't lead you into all that stuff. God didn't lead you into gossip. He didn't lead you into lust. He didn't lead you into greed. He didn't lead you into lying. He didn't lead you into any of that stuff. God had nothing to do with your sinful desires and actions. God doesn't need to allow something evil in your life in order to bring about his purpose in your life. Just doesn't. You see, the Christian church has done a bit of a disservice in attributing bad things that happen to people as part of God's divine plan for their life. No, can't buy it. I can't buy it scripturally. All right? Never. He did not inspire someone to sin for the greater good of your life. God did not inspire or tempt somebody to sin for your greater good. He just didn't. He just didn't. That was the devil trying to kill, steal, and destroy. God did not inspire somebody to mess with you, Rick Vaughn. You know that. God did not. For those of you in here this morning, it was not God's idea for that father to beat you. It was not God's idea, and he was not behind the father leaving the house or the mother leaving the husband. It was not God. It was not God who, you heard me mention this many times, it was not God who co-conspired with evil to send a gunman into a gay club in Orlando last year to shoot 50 people. That wasn't God. It just isn't. Stop the craziness. We're portraying God to be somebody that he isn't and something that he isn't. My God doesn't need to co-conspire with evil. God doesn't need, God is not the source of the sinful evil things that were done to you through others. He's not the source of the evil that has hit your family. He's not the source of the sin that has destroyed your family. He's not the source of the sin that mom did that caused the pain in the family. He's just not. You see, here's the deal. You see, this point, I want you to hear. God wants, because here's what God wants to do as a father. God wants to heal you of the pain that sin and evil has caused you. That's what he wants to do. We need to get the blame back where it belongs so that we can receive the healing God has for us. Now think about this. It's hard for you to go to God for healing if you think he's responsible for the pain. I got an idea. I'm going to become a surgeon. Isn't that scary? I would just love for some of you as you're going out under the anesthetic to see me operating. 
I've got an idea. I want to show you how good of a surgeon I am. I mean, I want to show you how good I am. So I'm going to break your leg intentionally. I wanted to show you what a great heart surgeon I am. And so in order for me to show you what a great heart surgeon I am, I'm going to give you heart disease. Now think about This is what we're saying about God. That God is so good, he caused this so he can do this. It's like Picasso's going to draw a, 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 a portrait. We're going to have a Picasso where we spilled paint. Let me spill the paint to create a Picasso. I mean, that's not God. Listen to me for just a moment. God wants to heal the wound, but he can't if you think he caused it. Why would I go to a God that was complicit with the pain in my life? Oh, well, he allowed it. Stop it. I'm not going to get into all that today. Just stop it. Evil and temptation that brought pain into your life through somebody else's sin was caused by the devil, not God. But my God is the one that can heal the pain and the wound that the devil brought into your life. You got a whole world of people that have heard for years that everything happens for a purpose. No, it doesn't. Oh, there's a purpose in the devil's. His purpose is to destroy. His purpose is to kill. God doesn't have a purpose for everything that's happened on the earth. He'll bring a divine purpose to everything if we allow him. But he didn't orchestrate it. Every good and perfect gift that comes from the Father above. He wants to bind up the brokenhearted. But why would I go to him if I'm thinking he's the one that broke it? Why would I go to him to be the one who carries us through the loss of a son if I think he's behind the loss of a son? He's not. He's not. By saying that God has allowed or has a plan for every bad thing that has happened to us, leads people to a God that has inflicted pain rather than the one who wants to heal the pain. You can't receive God's healing for what was done if you hold him accountable for what was done. You can't receive the healing if you put the blame on God. You can't receive the healing of God if you think he's responsible for what's happened in your life. You see, the fact is, The next point is God wants to help you endure what you're going through. The Bible says he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. The Bible says he's a strong tower we run into. I'm not running into a place that has wounded me. I'm not running to somebody who I think has been behind it, moving the chess pieces. I'm just not. If you view God as being complicit in your temptation or your trial, then why would you go to him to help you through it? He's the, the, here's, what, here's what James says. James says, listen, listen, listen. He said, don't be deceived, brothers. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above. You're saying, do you mean everything good is from God? Yes. Yes. He's a good, good father. It's more than a song. It's the theme of a scripture. It's the theme of the Bible. It started off in the garden as good. God said, let there be light. And he saw that it was. You need to read that chapter. All right. 
He saw that it was good. When he saw everything that he made, he saw that it was good. If everything God created in the beginning was good, then how did things become contaminated? Oh, well, let me tell you. Because there was a humanity. Wait a minute. Okay. There was a humanity that had an evil lust, an evil desire that God dragged away and said, I want that fruit that I'm not supposed to have. And they got carried away by it. So deceived of disobedience, so deceived, fell to temptation. Because how many of you know that it's the devil preying upon the lust of your heart? It's the devil playing, it's serpent is playing upon the desires that are inside of you. How many know we all got them? Oh, yeah, we all got them. All right, I'm not letting anybody off the hook today. Y'all a bunch of wretched sinners too, okay? And y'all got, a, got flesh and y'all got carnality. And some of you are thinking there you don't. I'm telling you right now, you're following temptation to your self-righteousness. Get over yourself, okay? All right? And the devil preyed upon that. Eve eats. Adam eats. Sin is born. It's born. It's birth. And death enters the world. Who contaminated what God gave was good? Humanity through the temptation of the serpent. Who is it that today still contaminates what God gives is good? It's the serpent through the temptation of humanity when we're dragged away. And then what happens? Well, God, the woman you gave me led me away. God, it's your fault. If you wouldn't have given me that woman, I wouldn't have entered into this. That's exactly what Adam said, isn't it? It's your fault, God. God created Eve. Adam liked Eve. Adam was talking to God one day. God, I just love the woman that you made for me. She's so awesome. I mean, God, I just love her hair. It's so beautiful. That's so you'll love her. Oh, God, and I love her eyes. I created that so you'd love her. And her skin is so soft and fair. That's why, why'd you do that? Because so you'd love her. But God, I just don't understand. Why'd you make her so dumb? That's so she'll love you. Because when temptation gives birth to this junk in our life, we've got to find somebody to blame. And we blame God. We blame others. But we never put it back to who the Bible says Jesus said is the father of lies, the father of temptation, who's the devil. Listen to me. Here's my, it's a very simple message today. The simple message is he's the father of lights. He's the father. The Bible says he is the father where every good and perfect gift flows from. And for centuries, the devil has been perpetrating a lie that the rotten, evil things that have happened in your life, God had something to do with, that he was a co-conspirator with it, that he was, in, he was, in, he was complicit with it. No, he was not. It's not my God. My God doesn't need to use evil to produce something good in your life. My God doesn't need to lead somebody into sin to produce a lesson in your life. It's an onslaught of hell. It's an assignment from hell to destroy you. You say, what do I do? You go to the father of lights. The one who says, I'll heal the pain. 
I didn't inflict it. I'll heal the wound. I didn't create it. I'll bind up your broken heart. I didn't break it. My heart broke when your heart broke. I'll walk with you through it. When you go through the fire, I'll be there. When you go through the water, I'll be there. I'm with you. You know, the, 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 the Father's Day thing said, you got this. Let me tell you why you got this. You got this because my God got this. I can say I got this because God's got it. You see, because the last point is God doesn't change. God does not change. He says, every good gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. <laughs> He's constant. He doesn't change. The seasons change, but the sun doesn't, right? How many know tonight it's going to get dark? And when it gets dark, how many know the sun's still shining? The sun does not cease to shine in the darkness. It's just shining somewhere else. The moon is right, shining right now. The stars are shining right now. They don't change. The one who set the moon and the sun and the stars in place does not change. He is, he is not like shifting shadows. How I many know a shadow is a caricature of the real? Aren't you glad that he's not a shadow? Hmm? There's a constant in your life. Trials and temptations come, and they're like winds, and they're like waves. And they blow, and they toss you here, and they toss you there. But you got one constant. God doesn't change. His character doesn't change by the situation or the circumstance. His nature doesn't change when things around you are all messed up. He's a good, good father, and it never changes. He's not a bad dad. We were, I, I've told you this before. We've got to be careful because we get so freaked out that it's possible that God might not have been in control of a situation that we'd rather make him look less good than less powerful. And while the Bible clearly tells us that we don't see everything under his control right now, it's amazing to me. We have a verse in Scripture that tells us that not everything is under his feet and everything. We see that Scripture. The Bible tells us that the enemy is, is, is the power of the prince of the air. We're in a war, gang. It's a battle, gang. There's evil. There's wickedness. There's sin. There's principalities. There's authorities. We know who wins. We know who overcomes the world. But don't we know we're in a battle? Hmm? God doesn't change. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The message today is simple. Don't be deceived. God is good. Don't be deceived. The evil that has impacted your life did not come from God. Don't be deceived. The temptation that has hit your life did not come from God. It's amazing. I just want to bring out one point and I'm done. The Bible says that in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of the truth so we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creation. This you know, my beloved, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. 
Can I just touch on that point? It really doesn't have to go with the rest of the theme, but it couldn't get it out of me this morning. Let me say this to the church. We're living in a day of anger. Everybody's angry about something. Let something happen and the anger just boils up. Let injustice happen and the anger boils up. We're going through an angry, we went through an angry political season. Baby, all right? The anger of the church will never produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man will never, ever, ever, let me say it again, ever produce the righteousness of God. Stop ranting and raving like lunatics and begin to act like Jesus. In anything. Anger is raging. Because we need somebody, because, because when tragedy hits, we need, a, we need somebody to blame. We need blood. Who do I blame? Who do we get angry at? We've got an angry society that's ready to boil over in a minute. But I've got to say to the church, we cannot be angry because it does not produce the righteousness of God. Some of you are looking at me like, you're weird. That's true, but I'm still right. Your anger in your flesh will not produce God's righteousness. You could be angry in the spirit of God and sin not. But if you're angry in your flesh and out of you is producing I mean, sin, it will never produce God's righteousness. How many of you think it's time we start being angry in God? Hmm? Okay, some of you just want to be angry. I'm done. Here it is. Wrapping it up. Come on, Jeremiah. That's only two. I got four more to go. I'm going to tell you, I prayed this morning. I said, God, he says, just make it as simple as you can with these points. And the overall theme is basically God saying this. Would you tell them to stop blaming me for what the devil's doing. Tell my church to be secure enough to be able to say that wasn't God. Tell my church to be secure enough to say God wasn't behind that and God didn't have a purpose for it. Ooh. Sorry, if you don't like it, read the Bible. Be, tell my church to be secure enough to say that wasn't God. He didn't have a divine purpose for it, but he will bring a divine purpose for it if you allow him to. My God did not have a divine purpose for my son dying and being put in a river. That was not his purpose. But my God will bring a divine purpose through it as I allow him. And I want to say to you today that there's some of you that have gone through stuff. I'm not talking about some of this stuff there's stuff that happens in life, right? There's just some stuff that happens in life. There's just some stuff that happens. Things happen, life. Accidents happen. I'm talking about the things that are perpetrated by the devil. I'm talking about the sinful things, the evil things that happen in your life, that have happened in your life. 
I want you to know, God wasn't behind it. God didn't have a purpose for it. It was wrong. It was the devil. It angers me that blame God. The reason it angers me that God is getting the blame is because somebody has misconstrued God to you. Somebody has misconstrued God to you. God had a divine purpose for your life and it included you being molested. No, it did not. No, it did not. Receive the healing from the God whose heart broke when it happened. Receive the healing from the God whose heart broke when it happened. He wasn't behind it. It just wasn't. On this Father's Day, I want you to see the Father for who He is. On this Father's Day, I want you to see the good, good Father. On this Father's Day, I want you to catch a glimpse of Him. You earthly fathers, I'm an earthly father. I'm not perpetrating wickedness into my son's life or my daughter's life for their good. But yet, somehow we attribute this to the perfect father. Can somebody please stop the insanity? (laughs) Can somebody please stop the insanity? Every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights. He's a good, good Father. Young lady, God knows not behind what happened to you. Young man, God did not have a divine purpose for what happened to you. He will bring something divine out of it because what the devil meant for evil, he will turn for good. That's the truth of the scripture. It will blow up in his face. It will blow up in the devil's face. Because the devil's sin against you was a sin against God. And he's used a lie to perpetuate this myth that God has a divine purpose for everything that happens. God did not have a divine purpose for Adam and Eve to sin in the garden. His plan was not to sin in the garden. Mom, Dad, it wasn't God's divine plan for your son or your daughter to fall victim to drugs or alcohol or suicide. It wasn't God's divine plan for mom and dad to get divorced. That's not to inflict pain on them or judgment on them. I'm just telling you. Things, a lot of things happen outside of God's plan. But more importantly, guess what, child? It wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. Stop carrying the blame of what happened between mom and dad.
part of the problem over the history is the inability for us to explain why. I can't explain all the whys. Why did this happen and why did that happen? And so in our inability to explain why, we ascribe it to the part of God's divine, mysterious plan for all that's happened. No. No. There's a source of evil. The Bible very clearly tells us that. Here's what I want you to receive this morning. I want you to receive the healing and the hope and the strength to endure from the Father who was not behind the sin and the evil that hurt you, wounded you, brought chaos into your life. I want you to receive healing from that God. I want you to receive healing from that Father. I want you to receive hope from Him. I want you to receive endurance from Him. I want you to see Him for who He is. Not for the lie and the masquerade that has been perpetuated by the enemy. And so, Father, this day, would you reveal yourself in our lives? Good, good, Father. It's so fitting that we sing this song today. It's who you are. It is who you are. And Father, I pray this day that that you would help every person here who has been impacted through sin and evil and wickedness. I pray today that every one of them would understand that you're the God of process who can take them through that, who who can turn what the devil meant for evil and turn it to good. That they would encounter you in such a dynamic way and encounter you in such an incredible way. And so we leave here today celebrating a good, good father. We leave here celebrating a good God. We leave here celebrating the father of lights from where every good gift comes into our life. We leave here celebrating you today. Not being confused and not being deceived. James says, don't be deceived. And I speak to this house today and I say, don't be deceived. The evil and the wickedness that has hit your house did not come from God the Father. Remove the veil from our eyes. Remove that veil of deception. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And God's people said, come on, stand, let's sing it. Come on, declare this right now.